right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about Fool's Paradise, the long-in-the-works directorial debut from Charlie Day of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fame. And uh, this movie did not do very well at the box office, did even worse with critics, uh, didn't do very well with viewers either, but I loved it. And there are a small but growing legion of fans who also loved it too, including my guest for the episode, Josie DeMarco, who is returning to the podcast. And we have a great conversation, lots of great puzzle pieces to get into with this movie that I am convinced is going to be a big cult classic, maybe five, ten who knows how many years down the road, but this movie is hilarious and I don't understand why people didn't like it, but we will try to get into some of that in the conversation. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you as always to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can of course follow us on social media at PiecingPod on Twitter and Instagram and check out our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. I also want to let you know that we do have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, and my music career. Lots of great stuff over there. It's patreon.com slash Rosen. Right now, I think there's three or four episodes of Piecing It Together that haven't been released yet that you can check out on the Patreon. There's a new bonus Awesome Movie Year episode, and I'm getting ready to post a whole bunch of music stuff, so check it out and otherwise just thanks for being out there and listening to the show we got a lot of piecing it together on the way so keep on listening keep on sending in your puzzle pieces and uh, with that said let's talk about fool's paradise All right, Josie DeMarco's back with us for what's going to be a fun one. We're talking about Fool's Paradise. Josie, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. I'm glad to be on here too. Oh man, I had so much trouble finding people who loved this movie as much as I did. No, you're, you're um, not alone. I think this, <laughs> what I love about this movie is that it's so shamelessly ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And as ridiculous as it is, it highlights how Hollywood can take advantage of people. Yeah, and absolutely. For that reason, there are moments in this movie where I had extreme anxiety. Like, <laughs> and I think Charlie Day's camera work here captures the claustrophobia and suffocation that our protagonist is experiencing. Absolutely. I think he is like such a perfect person to make a movie like this because he like this is a movie about a, a weird little guy who just kind of falls into Hollywood and gets kind of ushered around from project to project. And he's not even really, uh, you know, accountable for his own career that he's building. And Charlie Day seems like a weird little guy in real life who's just kind of like making his way through ho Hollywood, making these weird projects and yeah. this being his directorial debut. It's like it just feels like a perfect project for him and i i know that the general consensus is that this did not work but you and i loved it i know there are other people out there that loved it and uh, i think this is like the kind of cult classic in the making kind of thing that we love to see i think so too I, you took the words right out of my mouth and granted yeah. if this came out in like 2001 i don't think it would have gotten the best reviews either but again this mm -hmm. is a movie that i think will age really well yeah. Like, because it's, I think it's critique of Hollywood and mm -hmm. it's critique of 
press is sure. very is very blunt. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's it's a satire of a lot of things. Hollywood, of course, as uh, the first and foremost, but of a lot of things surrounding movies and entertainment and yeah. just kind of the world at large. So, I mean, th there's a lot of things in its sights, and I'm sure we'll get into a bunch of those along the way. But let's start getting into some puzzle pieces. What do you have for your first piece? Um, my first piece, well... My first two pieces are two of his, Charlie Day's Pixar. If you have, if you've seen his Criterion Closet video, okay, he talks about a couple, um, two movies that influence Fool's Paradise. One of which is Being There from 1979, directed sure. by Hal Ashby. <laughs> Absolutely. Set in Washington D.C. For those of you who don't know about Being There, the story follows a simple-minded gardener named Chance, played by Peter Sellers. And he has gardened under the employment of a wealthy man his entire life. He's illiterate, so he's learned the ways of the world through television. And when this employer passes away, he's forced to exit. Chance comes across an old business mogul named Ben Rand, played by Melvin Douglas, who won an Oscar for this movie. Yeah. And who happens to be an advisor to the President of the United States played by Jack Warden. Uh, and the U.S. administration is just amazed by the simple things Chance says. Um, uh, then they changed his name to Chauncey, Chauncey Gardner. And Chance is genuinely kind and has no ego. At first, he's sort of a joke to them. He's not perceptive enough on a social level to realize that. But the, the people gradually realize how genuinely valuable he is to the government. Yeah. He gets close with Ben Rand's wife, Eve, played by Shirley MacLaine. Romance blooms between them. She was sort of an inspiration for Kate Beckinsale's character in mm. Fool's Paradise. But I think the love between Chance and Eve is a little more authentic than Latte Pronto and Christiana Dior because she's clearly just using him for her public image. Sure, yeah. Some say <laughs> that being there is a warning about how any idiot can become a politician. I see where they're coming from, but I actually think this film illustrates how kindness and human decency can go a long way. And and that's exactly what we need in government right now. They even mentioned that at one point in the film. We overanalyze everything, and sometimes the answers lie in the simple rooted or seated truths, like what Ch Chauncey Gardner says. Sure. Absolutely. I I like to watch or <laughs> um the the plants everything has a season the stuff he says it's like it's like it's so simple they're like it's so profound <laughs> yeah all those lines they're all perfect and it's a great movie and oh, uh being there's one of being there isn't one of the, really one of the best american films ever made yeah and it's great the cinematography is just so stunning and fun fact the final shot in the film um was actually added last minute after Hal Ashby decided to get high. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is a fun fact. I like that. Um, yeah, a as far as it being a puzzle piece here, I mean, it's obviously number one. I had it on my list as well. And it's just, it's so clearly uh, what Charlie Day's going for with this movie is uh, just a, a slightly or maybe very much more elevated and ridiculous version of the same kind of a story. And uh, he is like clearly going for that same kind of character that Peter Sellers plays and that same kind of trajectory of just kind of 
getting ushered around and people putting on him what they think he probably wants and yeah. then he just kind of falls his way upwards. I, I, I believe I believe that's called I don't remember the name, but like the Van Wynn effect. Okay. I didn't know there was a name for it. That's interesting. I'm sorry, I forget the name of it, but like something Wynn effect. It like it's this idea of like projecting your ideas about someone onto them. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that's something that uh, will come up. A blank slate. A blank slate. Exactly. A blank slate character and like projecting your ideas. I think that's something that's going to come up in a few of our puzzle pieces along the way, honestly, with the kinds of movies that uh, this movie feels like it was uh, influenced by. I'm going to jump right on top of your being there puzzle piece and go with a movie we're actually covering on Awesome Movie Year for the 1975 season that I think had to have been an influence for being there. And I think fits here as well for fool's paradise the enigma of casper hauser the uh the werner herzog film which is another like very similar setup and i think almost mirrors charlie day's character even more in the fact that it's about this guy who was kind of kept in isolation and so he like against his will basically was uh you know was not it's not an experiment necessarily but no one really understands why he just doesn't get any kind of human connection and so he's just completely lost in like the real world once he's unleashed on the real world and there's like no real reason for it. he's just kind of thrust upon the real world and he has to like kind of go out there and try to connect with people and everybody just like in being there and just like here in fool's paradise uh they just kind of put their own thoughts on him and they kind of usher him around from thing to thing and kind of create his life for him. And, uh, it's weird. It's like, I was watching it and I was thinking like, this is like being there, but less funny. And then fool's paradise is being there, but more ridiculously funny. So it's kind of like a, a path between the three. And, and more cynical. Yes. Very cynical. Like, Absolutely. The part, like as far as like people making him like, uh, what they want, want him to be. And like it, it, when he come, runs into Common's character, Common talks about, it's all staged. It's yeah. all planned. <laughs> Common is amazing in this movie. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. The cameos are, are, are awesome. Dean Norris from Breaking Bad as like mm-hmm. the studio exec or whatever. <laughs> just amazing. Yeah, he is just out of his mind in this movie and I love him so much. But uh, yeah, let's move on to some more pieces. What do you have for your next one? My next puzzle piece, speaking of cameos, because this movie actually has a lot of cameos. And, and this is another thing mentioned in Charlie Day's um, Criterion Classic video. And that's mm-hmm. Robin Altman's The Player from 1992. Ooh, so good. <laughs> um, while we're on the subject of studio executive politics, this is one of the best Hollywood satires, period. And it's more relevant today than it probably was back then and Mm -hmm. the player for those of you who don't know it's about this studio executive producer um griffin mill played by tim robbins and he gets like these death threats from us from the screenwriter and um one day he um he like tracks him down at a screening of the bicycle thieves and Mm -hmm. he's played by vincent d'onofrio and then he accidentally kills the screenwriter and then like events follow. And then he meets the girl, the girlfriend of the guy played by Greta Scacchi. And it's a, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very blunt satire of 
Yeah. Of how um of the lack of studios willingness to take creative risks. Mm-hmm. And well, I think our protagonist Griffin Mill on the one hand knows that such risks could lead to great film, but on the other hand, it's not acceptable among the other executives, so he, you know, he is conservative with his choices. Yeah. Yeah. And that line, let's just kill all the writers or something like that. We don't need the writers. It's truer. It rings truer today than ever with Chad GBT. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a, a we're right in the middle of the writer's strike right now as we're recording this. And yeah, uh, yeah it, it definitely rings true today. And the player is just absolutely fantastic. And uh, yeah, I joked when I first watched the player, which actually was only a couple of years ago, um, that it's it should be like the official movie of piecing it together because of all the execs talking about movies and like this meets this meets this. And so I it's know like... <laughs> out of Africa meets pretty woman. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. There you go. That's exactly what it is. No, no. What's so funny is toward is at towards the end when there's like the fake movie with with Julia Roberts and and Bruce Willis. Oh yeah. He's like traffic was a bitch. That's exactly the kind of movie they would make at that era. It's like I perfect. Know. Yeah. It's it it mirrors exactly like Robert Altman knew like what and 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 when you watch that film, it goes to show you that some of these problems that we think are so new. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. They're they're Absolutely. they're they're long-standing problems. Mm-hmm. And like that's why sometimes I I get frustrated when like I see online like people acting like some of these things or events that happen are like new things. Like clearly you don't know history. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, before I go to my next puzzle piece, um, talking about that film within the film and the player, uh, the fact that the movie that they uh, make Latte Pronto uh, film is like this weird Western that's apparently in 3d and like (laughs) the strangest thing. Yeah. It's just the strangest movie. Oh my God. How (laughs) funny. And then Ray Liotta on the phone's like, I'm tired of this method acting bullshit. Oh yeah. He's so good. One of his last performances too, but he's so so good. Oh yeah. Like this time around this time last year is when he died. Mm hmm. Yeah. This movie, by the way, has been, in a little bit of development hell, I think, for like six years or something I know. like that. And like yeah. they like they filmed I think they filmed a lot of it before COVID, then they did reshoots after COVID and a lot of editing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this has been a long time coming. So you could kind of tell why it's maybe a little scattershot all over the place, but that all to me just added to the vibe of the whole thing. And yeah. so uh I, I think it all worked. I'll go to another piece, which is Bowfinger, starring Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy, another Hollywood movie satire. Um, Eddie Murphy as uh dual roles as this character who uh is this big actor and then as his replacement character again just like charlie day here in fool's paradise there's this like completely nuts but really uh you know celebrated you know actor who's supposed to be in this movie and then ray liotta finds the the main character of charlie day of latte pronto and kind of just makes him take over when the other one dies of autoerotic asphyxiation <laughs> but um because you know, he was doing method acting yes yes it's, total it's method such, like, it's so exaggerative but like at the same time it's not like too too far from the truth with these <laughs> how far these method actors go yeah they go so far and they like they just they get so like you know into their own shit that they 
they uh you know you could see him going this crazy and this far out um and yeah i think charlie day was having a blast playing that version of the character but i wonder if um if charlie day like for like for writing that pete that part with the uh the method actor dying yeah. committing suicide yeah. if uh if he was in any way since this was written for being worked on for a long time if uh like the news of like Jared Leto's method acting inspired. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. This has to be a little bit of Jared Leto, a little bit of like all of those actors, maybe Christian Bale a little bit. Cause he's certainly had some onset stuff where people talk about how difficult he is. Um, I thought of Edward Norton as well. I know people talk about, I've but heard that, um, I've heard that Jeremy strong too, from succession. Oh, sure. it's yeah. like the... <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's another one. <laughs> what, what do you got for your next piece? My, my next piece is, okay, not so much plot-wise, in fact, not at all plot-wise, but, like, <laughs> physicality-wise. I'm going, okay, you could tell with this movie that Charlie Day was influenced by Chaplin. An sure. underrated performer in that time period, I think, was Harold Lloyd. And so my <laughs> next puzzle piece is Safety Last from 100 years ago, 1923. Wow. So the basic story of Safety Last is a young man, played by Harold Lloyd, moves from the country to New York City, intending to earn enough money so he can support his girlfriend, played by Mildred Davis, Harold Lloyd's real-life wife. And interesting, uh, Charlie Day's real-life wife is in this movie as, like, the sure. makeup. To, uh, can I just say that they're one of my favorite celebrity couples? <laughs> That's awesome. I yeah, know, like, she's great. F the tabloid couples. They're they're so cute. Yeah. Charlie absolutely. and the waitress married him. It like it's like even though like the waitress like always turn turns him down in the in always sunny, it's like I it's like like at the same time, like it's not like you're not hurt by because like you know they're married in real life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wonder why they didn't get uh the rest of the It's Always Sunny cast. I mean, we get Glenn Howard in, in here, but I mean with six, seven years of filming here, like you'd think they could have gotten them in a little thing. Probably because they're busy with other things, like to Rob McElhenney has Mythic Quest. And, sure, sure. Um Caitlin Olson does a She's on a few shows, right? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um back to Safety Last. So Harold Lloyd character gets a job at a department store i believe called devos mm. and he overhears that his boss will award a thousand dollars for any worker who can attract store customers and then harold lloyd's character tries persuading an old like a friend of his he runs into to climb a building to which they would share the money but then the friend gets into some trouble with the police and then hilarities in ensue there's some great chase scenes it has the famous sequence with the guy hanging on to the clock Oh, sure, sure, yeah. So, like, I, I know, like, plot-wise, this doesn't have to do with Bold Paradise, but, like, as far from, like, because, like, he's channeling Chap Chaplin, like, this yeah. physical comedy standpoint, and, like, I um wonder if he, you know, has seen or was influenced by Safety Last, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would think so, too, because, like... And and I I should say I've never seen that and I mean I, I obviously know that scene but I've never actually seen the film and uh, I really it's, should it's it's it's, in, it's it's one of my favorite comedies it's so good 
Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out one of these days. But uh, but yeah, definitely, this feels, you know, very inspired by old Hollywood and all that stuff. The, like, like you said, um, Ch Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, like all those kinds of people. And uh, so I think a lot of that is here in the film. Um, although most of my puzzle pieces will be uh, newer movies, but certainly all that kind of stuff. Well, contemporary, because some of them are 20th century, but not like... Yeah, absolutely. So I will, you know what, actually speaking of uh, old Hollywood, I'll go with uh, a, a recent movie that was probably, uh, you know, too new to be an actual puzzle piece here, but I still wanted to bring it up anyway, and that is last year's Babylon from Damien Chazelle. As, you know, ridiculous as everything in Fool's Paradise is, it still does show a lot of these, like, behind-the-scenes aspects of Hollywood and movie making and just how crazy it all is and, you know, the the sides of the, the publicity to the producing to the writing, directing, and all the people that, like, kind of attach themselves to a celebrity. And uh, I think there's a lot of parallels that you can make to Babylon here. Full disclosure, I, Babylon was one of the films last year I actually missed. Okay. But but I can definitely see where you're pointing to. This is not a puzzle piece, but during the Western shooting scene, not only did I think of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm -hmm. um, but I also thought of um, that scene in, in, in Hail Caesar where they're shooting the Western. And sure. Alden Ehrenreich, who like, did, I have not seen in many things, re like, like where he like disappeared after Solo. Yeah, um, I know, right? Um, until until Cocaine Bear of all things. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot he was in Cocaine Bear. <laughs> I didn't see Cocaine Bear, so yeah, yeah. But um, but I thought of that scene in Hell Caesar where he, Alden Ehrenreich is trying to shoot the western. He's like. He can't do the accent. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's funny because uh, Hail Caesar and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood both came up as puzzle pieces on our Babylon episode. So now all three are just kind of, you know, continuing yeah. continuing here into Fool's Paradise with the but, whole satire of Hollywood. But, oh, speaking of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, did you see that, like, as a joke that uh, they, they the Video Archives podcast... R.I.P. Rick Dalton. I know he had a he had a nice long life. Rick Dalton. He did married to yeah. a hot his hot wife Francesca till death. <laughs> yeah, that's good to hear. I, I'm I'm happy for him. So that's great. Uh, what do you have for your next piece? Okay, my next piece again. Not it's not related plot wise, but like talking about comedy without dialogue. Well, at mm -hmm. least from one character. I'm going with a film. It's it's a film series, uh, Wallace and Gromit. Okay. For those of you who don't know, it's a British stop motion series consisting of a couple of short films, Grand Day Out, The Wrong Trousers, Close Shave, a feature length film, Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were Rabbit, and uh, it's a like this inventor, zany inventor guy, and his dog Gromit, mm -hmm. and Gromit doesn't speak, but like. Um, like he communicates so much through like eye movement and like gestures. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so I wonder if Charlie Day has seen like any Walsh and Gromit episodes. Oh, or, I'm well, sure. Shorts or the Curse of the Were Rabbit movie. Yeah, I'm sure. And like this is very live action cartoon in a lot of ways. Yeah, and like similar, so always sunny. Uh, similarly, is live sure. action cartoon. Absolutely. So yeah, I would say that that's a, a very, uh, very accurate piece and, and very likely that he's, uh, you know, a fan of that kind of stuff. Um, 
I'll skip over Pootie Tang was going to be on my list, but I got a lot of other puzzle pieces here. And that kind of deals with the same thing as Wallace and Gromit, actually. Uh, but I'm going to go to Death to Smoochie. Speaking of kids movies, uh, I'm going to go with that one. Another insane showbiz satire, but also directed by Charlie Day's It's Always Sunny co-star Danny DeVito. So I'm sure it was a reference point to him. And also a critical flop at the time, box office flop at the time. But like we said at the beginning of this conversation, uh, you know, I'm sure this is going to go on to be a cult classic, and Death to Smoochie definitely has. And uh, I've never seen it, but uh, I'll be sure to check it out. Oh, it's so much fun and so crazy, and uh, incredible performances, really funny, and just one of a kind. Like, it's there's not a lot out there like it. I definitely highly recommend it. When you brought up uh, it being like a dark comedy, mm -hmm. um, that takes me to my next and final piece. Mm -hmm. And that's The Couch Trip from 1988, directed by Michael Ritchie, known for Fletch, the original Bad News Bears, Cops and Robertson. Okay, yeah. Um, and so in this, here's the story. John W. Burns, played by Dan Aykroyd, is a mental patient. He continuously acts up in the institution. And one day after a ruckus in the cafeteria, Dan Aykroyd's character is brought to Do Dr. Lawrence Baird's office in the hospital. He, he's played by David Clennon. And when D Dr. Baird has left the office, Burns gets a phone call from a lawyer asking him to join the radio show of George Maitland, played by Charles Grodin. And uh, he goes to L.A. to join the show. And it's there he meets this, like, fake wannabe priest played by Walter Matthau and a radio show assistant played by Donna Dixon, who's Dan Aykroyd's real life wife. And uh, due to personal issues, he takes a leave of absence on the show. Cause like, a, you know, there's like infidelity and in, uh, mm. Charles Grodin's character's marriage. And then a uh, burn slash bear takes over. And when people start giving their calls, Burns slash bears because you know it's like a mistaken identity situation sort of like sure. paradise yeah. um he 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 his advice is absurdly inappropriate but people love it in fact the radio show becomes even bigger hit because of and a bunch of people that a bunch of people even come to la to visit uh dan Aykroyd's character in person and then they have to go up against charles grodin's character and then the real lawrence baird comes back into the picture gets more and more ridiculous. In a way, this too is a satire of the Hollywoodization, if you will, of psychology around that time period. Mm. And similar to Fool's Paradise, this is a mental institution escape turned buddy movie, this time with Dan Aykroyd and Walter Matthau. That movie sounds like so much fun. I don't think I've ever seen it. No, um, it's, on, it, it's, it's on Tubi. Yeah, I, I'm gonna pretty, have to watch that. It's, it's pretty fun. I rewatched it the other night to refresh my memory. Mm -hmm. But it's it's uh yeah I reckon it it it's definitely not very realistic, but <laughs> sure. <laughs> but it, it it's very original comedy. Yeah, sure. It sounds like um you know a, a lot of these kinds of like anything that kind of. Uh, revolves around Hollywood and actors and all that stuff usually does kind of get into that kind of uh, 
you know, whether it's therapy or, you know, those kinds of humorous situations and stuff like that. And it sounds like uh, it kind of fits right in there with a lot of those kinds of uh, Hollywood satires and and things set in Hollywood and around actors and filmmakers. And and when you're looking at with with uh, Charles Grodin's character, his him not being who he appears to be on the his radio show. Mm -hmm. This is like with the rise of self-help and like sure. Dr. Phil wasn't around in that time, I don't think, but like those like psychology talk shows, like, you know, like pre Oprah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Cause yeah, that was like right before all that stuff started to hit. And now it's like the biggest thing, like the last 20 years. So <laughs> yeah, well, I'll go with one more puzzle piece. Um, and, and this kind of goes along with the player a little bit in the way that that film is structured, but I'm going with 2018's Under the Silver Lake from David Robert Mitchell. Um, first of all, like there's like a whole underground mystery once he starts getting into politics and all that, but eventually we meet John Malkovich as this like, this this incredibly powerful like guy who uh, reveals the secrets, if you will, of, uh, of Hollywood and power and politics and how it all kind of comes together. And it's just this uh, incredible ridiculous and powerful monologue and it reminded me a lot of uh the songwriter for those who haven't seen under the silver lake there's this scene where um th this guy who's known as the songwriter and who is basically responsible for all popular culture that andrew garfield's character comes across and it's like it becomes very creepy and weird but also like just this like genius metaphor for like everything has this uh the secret meaning behind it, which is really what that whole movie is, is like about secret meanings and stuff like that. I haven't seen um, Under the Silver Lake, but as you were describing it, I thought of like what Common's character was talking about, like Hollywood yes. being like a secret organization. Yeah. Like uh, basically like uh, scripts out everything. Absolutely. That that character fits right in with like, you know, where Under the Silver Lake takes us and like the kind of like weirdness underneath the surface that like is all secret and we don't know about. And uh, it really uh, brings up some interesting and fun ideas. And uh, it just totally goes off the deep end in Fool's Paradise, which is part of what makes it so much fun. Um, but I will read down our list of puzzle pieces here and then we'll get into some closing thoughts. We talked about Being There, The Enigma of Casper Hauser, The Player, Bowfinger, Safety Last, Babylon. We also threw in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Hail Caesar in there. Wallace and Gromit. I threw in Pootie Tang real quick. And then we moved to Death to Smoochie, The Couch Trip, and Under the Silver Lake. Uh, a lot of like really funny, fun, weird stuff in here. Never would I have thought that the couch trip and Under the Silver Lake would be on the same list. <laughs> right? Absolutely. You never know with these movies, but hey, it happens. I know friend of the show, Joe Black, uh, is also a big fan of this and uh, will scold me for not bringing up any Woody Allen. There's a lot of Woody Allen all over all this, I feel um, like. Hollywood ending. I... I I, I remember seeing it, but I don't mm -hmm. like, but I don't remember a lot of it. Sure, sure. I'll, I'll let him write in with some more uh, Woody Allen for it. Um, I was also thinking of Anchorman as kind of like a bonus piece there. Um, Another bonus piece I thought of, it's not my favorite of the Christopher Guest mockumentaries, but I thought a little bit of for your consideration. Sure, sure. Absolutely. As far as Hollywood satire goes, I mean, that one is so good. So, yeah, absolutely. But, um, and, uh, we forgot to mention, like with performances, Ken Jong gives a legitimately great performance. 
at the best I've ever seen him. And I will say, like, I'm generally not that big on him. And at the beginning of this movie, I was like, oh, I don't know how much of him I'm going to be able to take in this. And somewhere around, like, the 20, 30-minute mark, he just totally won me over. And it's one of my favorite performances of the year so far. That's how much I loved him. I know. And <laughs> He's so good in this. And Adrian Brody... Adrian Brody is perfect. Absolutely perfect. I've been waiting for him to get a, a role like this where he can just cut loose and be ridiculous. He's so good. When he is at the, uh, the, the, the 3D screening of the film, and he had previously said how he like doesn't like to listen to any of the dialogue, and sometimes he doesn't like to watch either, and then he's covering his ears and closing his eyes at the premiere of the film, I cracked up so hard. It was just the funniest thing in the world. Uh, or how, how about um when he, he's with... When Kate Beckinsale's like, I'm with him now. Yes. <laughs> Kate Beckinsale's great, too. Just totally deranged and, uh, and really funny. And then, and then they adopt kids, and then she's like, ah, you're, you're a horrible father. You're, you're, you're instability. <laughs> yeah, as if there was stability in the but first like, place. But, but like, <laughs> the whole, like, and on the set of Mosquito Boy, when he, like, falls <laughs> off the... Uh, the building it's like it's totally staged like they did it they clearly did that as a joke uh-huh absolutely and that's again this goes back to them you know uh taking advantage of him yeah absolutely and then the, they they blame him when they really should be blaming themselves of course oh another funny performance even though it's not in a lot he's not in a lot is jason sudeikis oh yeah he's great in with the absolutely. fast racer that's clearly perfect timing Make fun of Fast and Furious. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's perfect timing for that. Yeah. The only other, the only other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, John Bryan did the score. Um, yeah, fantastic score. I mean, re regardless of how ridiculous this movie is, and like, I know some people just didn't connect with the particular sense of humor of the movie. I don't know how anybody could say a bad word about the score. Oh yeah, and uh, and I think what's good about the score is that like the it helps communicate Latte Pronto's emotions like when he's not speaking. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. For a silent protagonist like this, you need, um, you know, you need a lot to kind of get him through this story. And definitely, I think the score helps with, uh, with, with kind of showing where he's at at every point of this. So um, yeah, I think that does it for Fool's Paradise. Yeah, I had a lot of fun uh, uh, d discussing this movie. And yeah. The puzzle pieces. Absolutely. It was, I'm so glad that you uh, joined me for this one. Is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Well, my top three of 2023 so far would be, well, one and two is interchangeable. Uh, I, I'd say Suzume, um, okay. I Was Afraid, and, um, um, and Are There God, It's Me, Margaret. Right on. Yeah, I still haven't seen Suzume. I need, I need to watch that. Um, but the other two are both great. You, you you were supposed to do an episode on a uh, Bo's Afraid. I haven't seen it posted yet. Yeah, it's still on the uh, Patreon. I'm going to be posting that one uh, as soon as the film hits streaming. Which... Have you done an episode of um, Are There God, It's Me, Margaret? I did not, no. Uh, I don't know. I might still get around to that. We'll see what happens. But yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Where can people find uh, you and your channel? Um, Look up my full name, Josephine DeMarco. And I'm also on Twitter at Josie Poetess and I'm on TikTok, Josie Film and Lit, where you can see a lot of my poetry because I write poetry too. Awesome. 
Well, Josie, thank you so much again for doing the show, and we will definitely get you back again sometime soon. Great! What's new, listeners? I'm Arthur Howell, the host of Two Cents Critic. Here on the program, we give reviews and recaps for books, movies, and TV shows. There's a whole bunch of special guests to join in on the fun. Maybe you want to hear about a contemporary romance novel like The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Or maybe you want to hear about the latest MCU movies and series. Or how about the best movie of 2022, or at least that's my opinion. Everything, everywhere, all at once. You can hear all of these discussions and more at Two Cents Critic. New episodes every Wednesday, available on most podcast streaming services. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Fool's Paradise. Hopefully we'll, uh, you know, create some new fans of this movie because, uh, like I said, I love it. And uh, thank you to Josie DeMarco for joining me on that one. If you are enjoying Piecing It Together, make sure you are subscribed wherever it is that you're listening. And if there happens to be a button in that app to hit five stars or leave a review, I would appreciate your reviews and your five stars. That would definitely help get the show in front of more listeners. And that's what we're trying to do here. So... Do that, and of course, follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, and don't forget about the Patreon. We're going to close this out with a piece of music like I always do. Um, I honestly don't even know what to play for a movie like Fool's Paradise. I don't know that I have anything that kind of fits the theme here, so I'm just going to pick a random track from one of my albums. I'm going to go with the album A Different Kind of Dream, which was my fourth album and play a track i love this track it's called searching further uh i have absolutely no reason it doesn't connect with the movie at all but you know what it's a good piece i like this music so uh i'll play searching further from my album a different kind of dream and we'll be back with more piecing it together real soon
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.